0: Here's Ito, Morita, there's the chance and there's the opening goal and it's that man who's been such a threat, Kamada, who is going to be denied and disappointed ultimately by the offside flag as he turned away to celebrate. Yeah, but the question is, is it clear and obvious wrong? He's going to go look at it and I think he's given a goal, hasn't he? He has.
1: Coming to you live on ESPN Plus, alongside Hercules Gomez, I'm Sebastian Salazar. We are together in Los Angeles, and we are together, Herc, in the immediate aftermath of the U.S. and that 2-0 loss to Japan in Dusseldorf, Germany. Was it worth the early wake-up call? It was an early wake-up call, brother. It was an early 30. wake-up call in the West Coast. I should Coast. say, 3.30 a.m. wake-up call
2: mm-hmm. for your boy out here in Los Angeles, but it's all worth it for... Uh we're here for you.
1: Yes, it was. Uh, it's good training for Qatar, right? Because there's going to be some early wake-up calls, certainly on the uh, West Coast for folks uh, watching the World Cup in Qatar. we got a lot coming for you in this edition of Football Americas. An interview with Memo Ochoa del Tri and Club America. Lots to cover with him. Mauricio Pedrosa is going to join us as well as we break down some of the key position battles for Mexico ahead of their two friendlies in the international break. Plus, we have some bad news. A big injury in the National Women's Soccer League that could impact the future of the U.S. Women's National Team pool. But let's start with the game that we just witnessed. United States against Japan from Dusseldorf. Dusseldorf in Germany. Quiet stadium. Uh, Not a great pitch. Seven minutes in, though. What felt like a good start for the Americans? Serginho Des to Jesus Ferreira and. Hércules, que pasó? Yeah,
2: Gio uh, Reyna spraying that ball out wide to Serginho showing good strength there. A brilliant ball across, and Jesus Ferreira. You've got to be a killer in that box. That is a goal you have to score.
1: Big news before this game, of course, no Christian Blicic the starting lineup. Oh, Here's no. a turnover for the U.S. Oh, no. Kubo with the shot. Matt Turner, big early save.
2: One of the many turnovers by the U.S. back line. Really an unforced error, and it's Matt Turner coming up big there.
1: So Japan couldn't take the lead oh, no. early, but a few minutes later, they do. It's here in the 24th minute. Turnover in midfield. Daichi Kamada going to get it all alone. Converts. And at first, the offside flag goes up, and we were told there wasn't even VAR in this game. And then suddenly there was VAR, and it was a goal. How about that, Herc? Yeah, it is another yes.
2: another really, I guess you could say, forced turnover. Weston McKinney forced to play with his back to goal. Gives up the ball. Serginho Desk up high. Matt Turner hung out to dry. It was a recurring theme. There goes the goal. And then again, Weston McKinney back to goal. Comes right back down her throat on this one. Matt Turner comes up with a save, but a recurring theme throughout this game for the U.S. Men's National Team.
1: Yeah, Matt Turner there, the big, big stop on Ito. He had a couple of those throughout this match to keep it at 1-0 in the second half. 10 minutes after that, 65th minute, another chance for Japan. Look at this.
2: On the sideline, you get doubled, give up the ball. A 1v1 situation right there, and again, it's Matt Turner having to come up big yet again for the U.S. men's national team. It's the way they turned the ball over, whether it was defensively or in the midfield, that just led to chance after chance for
1: Japan. Never a good thing when your goalie is probably your best performer. 81st minute chance here for the United States, Brendan Aronson just misses. Yeah, Johnny Cordoza right here, very good uh, turnover that led to the Brendan
2: Aronson chance. As good as it got for the U.S. Men's National Team, not even on goal, but it's a shot at least. And then, uh, Reggie Cannon, you cannot do this. You cannot turn your back on the play. Turn your back in the defensive third. Japan taking just care of business. Again, another turnover. Matt Turner can't do anything about this. Let's hear from Greg Berhalter after the match.
3: Greg, what did you see from your team today? You know, I think uh, it was a really competitive match. I think we ended up hurting ourselves a little bit too much in the game with silly um, giveaways, and, um, you know, we want a little more personality in the match. Uh, Give Japan a lot of credit, good team, competitive team. They pressed well, but um, we can do better. A lot of attention, obviously, on the central defense. How did you evaluate what you saw from that position? We'll look at the tape and we'll analyze it more carefully. I think there were some good moments, some moments that can be improved, but we'll evaluate it on tape. What's the one thing you'd like to see most different in the game against Saudi Arabia? You know, I think it's more personality in the match. Um, you know, I didn't. You know, for some reason, I didn't see a, a lot of personality with our performance tonight. Thanks so much, Greg. I Appreciate it. Thank you.
1: Wow. All right. I was over here sharpening the knives, thought, thinking we were going to have to be the ones giving the criticism. Look at, at Greg Berhalter. He's, he's calling out his players. He says he wants more personality, not just from this game, but from the next game against Saudi Arabia. What do you think of that? Fair statement from the coach? Absolutely. Yeah. It's also a little bit on him,
2: right? But fair Is statement. It? Yeah, he's a coach. How so? Uh, I mean, how can you choices. have the guys ready when
1: you've got no time to get, get people ready?
2: Because it's your job to get the guys ready. That's what you signed up for. Okay. It's a piss-poor performance. Really? There's no two ways about that. that. That's why you see the long face from Greg Berhalter. But if I'm a player in that locker room and I hear no personality, more personality, mm-hmm. shots fired, my man.
1: Does I'm, it bother you or is it actually what you need to be hearing right now? A
2: little of both, clearly But it should not, bother you. And if it doesn't bother you, guess what? You're You've not got, going got to no World personality. Cup. Right, right. My father always told me on the Ooh, day. Ooh, one of those. <laughs> on the day technically you can be off right tactically you be off everybody has these bad days but that personality he's talking about right there that's the effort that's the commitment to the cause if that's missing
1: yeah wow and there's some stuff, I think, in this game that you just you figure you will not get away with at a World Cup. The first half especially. Sloppy. Lots of turnovers. I know we focused on the back, but I think also out of midfield. Like, Japan took advantage of the few opportunities that they had, but you go up against better and better competition than what you're going to be seeing in a World Cup. And that's going to be very, very difficult. If the U.S. plays like that, they're not getting out of the group.
2: No, they're not getting out of the group if you play like that. And if you're England, if you're Wales, if mm-hmm. you're Iran, you're salivating at the mouth of what you just saw, the performance. Because they just giving you a blueprint sure. of how you can make the U.S. men's national team cough up the ball, which is yeah. the re-
1: recurring theme of this match. But it wasn't just that they were sloppy hurt. They weren't dangerous. Zero well, shots how on goal. can you be dangerous yeah. if
2: you're constantly giving up the ball, I if think... you're playing from behind, if you're chasing the game? Now, this is what I will say. You said it's not just the defensive line, the midfield. Let's take Weston McKinney, for example. Usually one of the more, more sure players in the U.S. men's national team, a player that makes everybody else in a way better. He's yeah. contagious in that mm-hmm. way. When you force – As a team, Japan, Aaron Long and Walker Zimmerman to be the playmakers of your team. And you saw the way that Weston McKinney, Tyler Adams, Luca De La Torre, to a sense, were constantly receiving the ball back to goal. Right. Blind passes, having to give square passes, hopeful passes. It's coming right back down your throat. This is on Greg Berhalter, in a sense, because you're trying to force this team to play in a certain way that maybe isn't conducive to certain players. Walker Zimmerman, Aaron Long, Mm. can be very good center backs in a certain system. Defend for a system. Don't ask them to do things that they normally don't do at Nashville. They normally don't do at the New York Red Bulls. You're trying to get them to play out the back? Japan, they'll take that all day. Hey, let Walker Zimmerman play out of the back. Let Aaron Long be the creator of this game. Get the ball away from Weston McKinney. Get the ball away from Tyler Adams facing goal. Luca De La Torre
1: facing goal. Mm -hmm. That's what you want if you're the opposition. And they played right into that. Um, watching this Japan team, there were passages of play. There were was, was some moments of real beauty, right? And, and I know that we think of Japan as a technical team. We don't really think of them as an elite team. For me, what was maybe the most worrying, if I'm a fan of the U.S., is it felt like there was a real technical gap between the individual players on the two teams and then in terms of what they were able to do In conjunction, while working together, like you saw ideas from Japan that you really didn't see from the U.S. And I always go back to this with Greg Berhalter. That's something we always saw from him at Columbus. There were patterns of play. There was something recognizable. We still aggression. This wing play. Excuse me. We see it, right? You you see it, but we don't see that here. Or am I missing it? Uh, You're not
2: missing it. And I would say more concerning than than the technical ability, because I think there are players with technical ability. You have. Yeah. No. I'm not here. Is the speed of thought? Okay. And that's yeah. the most concerning sure. thing for me: sure. is the speed of thought, is the ability to recognize situations. But why are these guys are playing at the biggest in
1: clubs them? in the world? I mean, are they the biggest players in the biggest clubs in the no. world? No, but I think they're still training at that level where they're playing against the and, best and in and the let's world. And let's also put base. things into,
2: into context. Uh, there, this game could look very different if you have. A Chris Richards on the field. Sure. If you have a Eunice Musa on the field. If you have a Christian on the field. you have Christian And you know what? If you have an Anthony Robinson on the field. Totally. A Jordan Pifok on the field at some facet of this game, this the complexion looks very different. But you have to be worried, not just if you're Greg Berhalter, but if you're a player who played in this game.
1: Sure. How much of this gets solved with Christian Pulisic's inclusion? Because we see the, the U.S. 11 here, the, the lineup that Greg Berhalter went with against Japan. Obviously, Christian Pulisic uh, suffering a knock in training in the buildup to this game. He would have played if this was a World Cup game. Totally. Okay. Fair enough. We assume that's the truth. Would he have made a difference, though? I mean, yeah. Let me tell you where players, that big of a difference. To let this me tell team? you I where players like, it, like
2: Christian Pulisic can be a difference. When you are chasing the game, mm-hmm. it is very easy for the opponent to dictate how that game goes. So, in games where they can sit back, they can make the spaces tighter, compact, and more difficult for you. Players of quality in one v one situations that can draw other players out or take advantage of certain tactical schemes like that are a necessity. Mm -hmm. That is where Christian Pulisic comes into play.
1: You know another guy who I think kind of fits that bill? is Gio Reyna. And you were really surprised when you saw him in the starting 11. Why?
2: Yeah, because I was under the assumption that they were managing minutes with Gio Reyna. And I would have assumed he would have come on in the second half uh, excited to see him on Mm -hmm. and play and get minutes under his belt. I think he's going to be a vital player for the U.S. men's national team at the World Cup. And the few times that the U.S. men's national team were actually dangerous, It's off of his play. In the very first half, Serginho Des does very well to get that ball to Jesus Pedida, but the guy spraying that ball, <laughs> and what a ball. It is Gio Reyna. He has these moments of brilliance. Uh, you need to get that more out of him. And so getting his feet wet with minutes was important.
1: Yeah, uh, he played on the wing. Is that his best spot? Is that his best role? think you can team? see, even when he plays on the wing, his natural yes. tendencies are to
2: come yes. centrally, and you saw that in that play. At some point in time, I think Gio Reyna is going to be an eight for this team. Really? Yeah, because he's just so creative, and I think he adds just a different element. And, and, and I don't think, honestly, you can take Brendan Aronson out of this lineup. Hmm. Right, way so that- he's
1: got to take that spot, the other, you know. But the, um, who, do you, winger who do you put out? I mean,
2: Eunice Moussa has proven to be so
1: important for Greg Berhalter, and you saw a player of his caliber, what, what they were missing. with So I him. wonder if that I, – I obviously, Christian Pulisic, huge asterisk on this result. No, no right. Christian Pulisic, you don't have your best player. I think what we really saw here is the gap between Musa to Delatore, and, I, and I, I don't want to focus on Delatore now, but Musa, what he brings to this team—the athleticism and the quality in midfield—as um, you said, the midfield didn't really play yeah. its usual part. So, so the one thing in my
2: biggest criticism of Eunice was the end product. Mm-hmm. But don't worry about the end product if you can get it from elsewhere. If a guy like Eunice Musa can connect from point A to point C, if he can be that B player, if he can be that connection right there that advances the ball from the defensive end to the Final third, which was a huge area uh, of necessity today. A huge disaster for Greg Berhalter was the inability to move from point A
1: to point C. Uh, You mentioned Greg Berhalter. He made four changes at the half. Uh, McKenzie, Cannon, Sergeant Morris all came on. Do you think that was – and I think maybe actually from his post-game comments it tells us what he was thinking. I thought that might have been like, hey, there's four new guys that I want to get a look at. I want to do some more evaluation. I actually now think when he talked about personality, he was sending a message to everybody. Absolutely. Right? Right? If you're not going to come for these 45 minutes, you will get pulled. There won't be a second chance. And I think some of those guys that got pulled are probably looking at this game saying, man, did my chance to either make the World Cup squad or have a certain role at the World Cup, just go out the window. If you're one of those four guys that got pulled at the half, You're not feeling great. You're not feeling great at all. Um, It's the penultimate game. I mean, this is the second-to-last chance Berhalter has to We will talk
2: about this a little more in depth, but when certain players move up the depth Mm -hmm. chart or get locked in and they're not even part of the camp, that tells you a lot. That tells you about the performance you saw. It was as lackluster of a first half as I've seen from Greg Berhalter in all his tenure, tenure with the U.S. Men's National Team. Last time I saw a U.S. Men's National Team, team that played this way was a 3-0 loss to Mexico in New Jersey, hmm. literally, when I, when I thought they were just played off the pitch. You could say Costa Rica in the last game, but that may have been cir- circumstantial, uh, but the last time I truly felt like this was that 3-0 loss.
1: All right, so real quick here, it's the second-to-last match before the World Cup, but it's also two months until the World Cup, so given it's that performance, days, right? yes, given that performance on a scale of 1 to 10, how worried are you about the U.S. and Qatar?
2: One to ten? Six, because I think my. Expect-
1: ten being the worst. So right. you're, you're, my
2: expectations yeah. for the US men's national team are a little bit more tame than, than most fans,
1: okay. I would say. Um, you certainly thought they would do better than a two nothing but- defeat against Japan on neutral ground, right? Of course. Yeah. Of course. They got bullied by Japan.
2: Yeah. On neutral ground. On the ground, but also what are they? One win in the last ten away from home. Yep, that tells you a lot, right? Uh, zero wins. Doesn't the I mean a lot of that is kind of qualified I mean, oh, record. Oh, against Honduras. But, but what I will say is, and I repeat, the complexion of this team changes yeah. a lot more yeah. when you got guys like Anthony Robinson, Chris Richards. Or you got Eunice Musa on the field. When you got Timothy Weah,
4: mm-hmm.
2: who's I mean getting locked in without even playing, right? proving how, how explosive and how vital he can be to this U.S. men's national team US men's national team, team without even playing, Seb. Yeah. So the complexion can be very different uh,
1: with a lot of these players on the field. All right, so let's run through a uh, quick stock up, stock down here of some of the key performers that we had an eye on in this game between the United States and Japan. We got to start, Herc, since it is your show and you are a number nine. At number nine, Jesus Ferreira got the start today. Did his stock go up? Or did it go down? It went down, and I'm
2: worried if I'm Jesus Ferreira. He's one of those guys taken out at half, mm. right, uh, for a very informed and hot Josh Sarge. Yep. You're a number nine. You can do all these things that we hear that Greg Berhalter values out of Jesus Ferreira, the interpretation of space, mm. the movement, the ability to combine and get others mixed in. Are you going to tell me goals are important? Goals are important. <laughs> and, and I will tell you this. Guess what? Yeah. Goals change games. You score that goal, now the U.S. men's national team is 1%. Yep. zero up. And it's early Japan. in that game. It's early Japan who has game, yeah. to chase the game. Yeah. It's Japan who now has to deal with the way the U.S. men's national team dictates the
1: play. This is a very scorable header. Ver, give me that. Give me that the delantero, the forward's perspective. Like, how bad a miss this is, is that? This is a
2: dream ball by Sergio Dest. Your eyes get big right here. He connects on the way down. Mm. Okay, Just miss times a jump, right? Miss times a jump. It's by no means a-, a ball. Nine times out of ten, that should be in. And yeah. I think he understands that. And it's and it's unfortunate for a player like him who's under the microscope, especially with guys like Jordan Pifak not in camp. Yes. That gets yes. magnified. Goals change games, Sebi. So this is a stock
1: down. Yeah, I feel like with Ferreira, we've had moments of good, but we haven't had that moment of great yet. And every opportunity here that goes by opens the door for somebody else. Do you feel like Josh Sargent moved his stock at all? In the 45 minutes that he got,
2: it's a difficult task to come on at half right. and play when you're chasing the game. Up. He
1: didn't have a big miss, so it's certainly not, not stock down. No, in that it's, way. it's not
2: stock down. It's about neutral. But if you're Jesus Ferreira or, or a fan of Jesus Ferreira, sure. you would be left wanting more.
1: Yeah, and I think uh, yeah, I think also with Ferreira, you got to think of it. He got the start today. That tells us somewhere where he is is in the pecking order for Greg Burhalter. I don't think he's, he's going to miss the flight to Qatar for that miss, but it might cost him some minutes when we come to the World Cup. All right, let's get to our next stock up, stock down. Let's go to the center backs. Ah, Aaron Long and his uh, partnership with Walker Zimmerman. What do you think of Long tonight, Herc? Oh, man. Well, that doesn't sound good. <laughs> and I, I don't even know if I
2: should be putting this on Aaron Long because it's Greg Berhalter putting him in this position. Um, Aaron Long and Walker Zimmerman aren't asked to do these things at the level mm-hmm. and at the frequency that Greg Berhalter is asking these center backs to play out of the back. And they're making mistakes for it. Um, these center backs put the midfield and the U.S. men's national team in constant pressure today. Mm-hmm. It, it's a stock down for Aaron Long um, because you've got other guys like Chris Richards. You've got other guys like Mark McKenzie who... Maybe one or two plays where he could have done better was was a, a decent option uh, off the bench. But when you've got <sighs> such clatter um, outside of the picture for guys like John Brooks, for guys like number even, one, number one John Brooks supporter here on no, no, Football. He guys has. even like Tim Ream, you've sure, got a, sure. a large sector of the fan base and pundits screaming for Tim Ream uh, that are actual passing backs. It, it, forces yeah. you to want, it forces you to think of what could happen. Even the Carmen, Cameron Carter-Vickers, who was... I feel like the game. guys
1: that didn't play today saw their stock up, stock yeah. go up. Because even Walker Zimmerman, like, I don't, I don't feel it was great. On long, though, there was a couple times a goal scorer, Kamada, literally started on one side of him and then was goal side, Getting in and and constantly
2: behind him. Yes, and, and yeah. He's a physical presence as a center back, and he's by no means slow, but he was slow to react today.
1: Yeah, I feel like this is where you're seeing right now the importance of the Chris Richards injury missing him in this camp that would have been this would have been the moment for Chris Richards fresh off the Premier League move to grab that spot next to Walker Zimmerman he's going to miss the opportunities and now it it almost as it has for a while almost feels like Aaron Long by default it does
2: feel by default um, because Walker Zimmerman in a way is was probably your sans um, Miles Robinson Mm -hmm. but that's not going to be a possibility, he was probably your best center back throughout the World Cup qualifying process. So he's, he's a lock. I think the majority of fans and pundits would say that Walker Zimmerman is the lock right now at the center back position. It's who accompanies him. And Aaron Long had an opportunity to missed today. And I don't necessarily know if that's his fault, asking him to play a, a way that he's not accustomed to week in, week out.
1: How important is that? I mean, is it really something that's that difficult to do? These guys can play long balls, right?
2: That's not what Greg Berhalter's asking him to do. Greg Berhalter is asking these guys to play cleanly out of the right. back. And you saw the forced turnovers today from the Japanese national team. And I'll say forced in quotations. I mean, they put the U.S. men's national team center backs in a little bit of pressure. And if I'm an opposing coach or an opposing player, I'm saying, listen, I would rather Walker Zimmerman or Aaron Long have the ball and handle the ball than I would a Serginho Dest. Serginho Dest is a terrible defender. But with the ball, it is
1: terrible. Played, that's harsh.
2: You said terrible? You said terrible. He's a terrible defender. With the ball at his feet, he's a very good passing back. He's a very dangerous passing back. There are times when the speed of play, speed of thought for Virginia Desk going forward is so fast, it takes time for other players to catch up. But defensively, that's where it's slow.
1: It's easy here to pick on Aaron Long. I think a lot of the moments where the central defensive pairing looked weakest were actually off turnovers from other parts of the field. So it doesn't always trickle down to the center backs, even though they're the ones that usually have to end up cleaning it up. Let's look elsewhere on the back line right now. Sam Bynes, I think for a lot of people, was kind of a surprise name on this list. He gets the start at a very important position with Anthony Robinson out. So, did his stock go up or down? It went down. I mean, there was a – I feel like that's just the vibe of his game, right? No, 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 you. Let me tell you this.
2: During the broadcast, John Champion mentioned Sam Vines, and I was like, Sam Vines is in the game. He's on the field. I forgot that he was in the field – on the field. And when you're a player – a bubble player trying to get on that plane, you can't go unnoticed. Yeah. You cannot go unnoticed in one of the two last opportunities that the U.S. Men's nationally has to showcase or that you have to show your abilities before the World Cup, Seb. You cannot go unnoticed. Good or bad, He went unnoticed in that first half. And then in the second half, he went noticed
1: for not so good reasons. Right. This is a stock down. So, the entire first half, and here's the play, it was in the 44th minute, so we literally had to wait almost until the end of the first half to see Sam Bynes get into the attack. Is that really something we can put on Vines, or is that just more the nature of this game, that your left back, when you're pinned back, is not going to get involved? Obviously, he needed a great performance, and obviously when we see what Anthony Robinson brings to the position, it's a guy who's comfortable getting I, forward, I, uh, smooth left-footed balls. we got none of that from Bynes.
2: I oftentimes leave myself asking if Greg is asking too much of – his players in this system. And mm. what I mean by that is there was a time in that broadcast when Taylor Twelman mentioned that Sam Bynes is now operating as a left winger. Yes, in the second half. So yep. the intricacies, the, how how complicated he makes it for certain players who may not be used to it or may be above their understanding mm. can can hinder this U.S. Men's nation, can hinder the team at certain times and, and Vines look lost at certain times today.
1: Yeah. So uh, Sam Bynes stock down then. Kind of stock up for Joe Skelly. Let's see if he gets uh, some action in the next game. Way stock up eating. for Anthony Robinson. For the, uh, for the depth chart spot behind Anthony Robinson at left back. All right. Next up on stock up, stock down, it's Matt Turner. But before we discuss him, let's hear from him. He spoke with ESPN after the
5: match. Matt, how would you describe how the game went today?
6: Obviously, really disappointing. Um, it was a really competitive game for a friendly match. And uh, I just kind of wish that we had a little more bite about us uh, from the start. I think we hurt ourselves in a lot of ways. Um, but I think we made some like big improvements in the second half. But then at the end, the fact that we uh, we they, they were a bit more competitive uh, than us on, on the 50-50 balls, the restarts, most of that stuff. So I think um, they probably deserve to win this one.
5: You know, a lot of attention has been paid to the central defense and, you know, the, the cohesiveness within that group. What did you see from the back line today?
6: Yeah, I think obviously uh, some moments all over the field that we wish we had back. Um, I think we're trying things and, um, you know, implementing, and we have to show that we can make mistakes and continue forward. I think that second goal comes from a lot of frustration of things just not really working for us for the day. We give the ball away and we kind of all just drop our heads and, and uh, we don't react. And, and they were having joy on the ball and running freely at us. And and uh, I think that that second goal really summed up pretty much the whole match.
5: With less than two months till the World Cup, what are you hoping to accomplish personally between now and the first match in Doha?
6: One day at a time. Uh, stay healthy. Um, anytime I have the opportunity to play a game, uh, you know play well play consistently um and show people like the growth that i've had in my game because i think i've come a long way in the two three months that i've been at arsenal um, which has been great so overall i just uh i just want to show that i'm out there to compete Uh, i'm really really proud and grateful for every opportunity that i have to represent this country and and i think that's really my message
1: there he is matt turner so did his stock go up or did it go down after that performance against Japan, Herc? Stock is up. Easiest answer there was, here, yeah, right? I mean, the only- and like way up.
2: Way way, way up. up. You know what it is, Yeah. Um he's the perfect goalkeeper if you know you're going to be under constant pressure because he's such a great shot
1: stopper. He's shaking so, with the what So what you're saying is what you're saying is he's actually the best stop- shot stopper in the group. You're saying he's better than yeah, I don't Steph? think that I don't think that's a debate, really? Absolutely. Zach Steffen
2: offers you different things. Like, if you think you're going to have the lion's share of possession and you can play out of the back, right? that's when Zach Steffen comes into play. But if you think you're going to be under constant pressure, do not put anybody on the field other than Matt Turner. Hmm. Matt Turner is going to be your guy. When he's the best player on the field for the U.S. Men's National Team, that tells you a little bit about your day. That tells Greg Verhalter how little he had in possession, how little he had going forward, and how... Under constant pressure, yeah.
1: he and that back line worked. And that goal, too. Let's remember it looked half offside. I mean, it, it I just, did. It did it look. Did. It was ruled offside. Other, there were some other saves that were worldly. Well, and I love the, the the first save of the game, just a couple minutes in after that first chance for the U.S. Japan gets a chance. That's the moment, right? That's when you really need your goalie to come up big, and he came up big yeah. there to keep him in it. Also, at one nothing, another big save to keep it at one Huge nothing. Huge save. Yep. I
2: would say there were two saves before that one nothing that yep. he was massive in. And, and look, there was the opening sequence when Serginio Des played the ball back to him and he kicked it like maybe 15 yards uh, deep and about 100 yards high. And you're like, okay, you expect that out of Matt Turner. His strengths aren't his feet. But what you expect out of Matt Turner is exactly what he did, that shot-stopping ability. He's the best in the pool when it comes to that shot-stopping ability. So if you
1: think the U.S. Men's National Team will be under constant pressure, that's your goalkeeper. See, I think tonight we saw a lot of rust from guys, a lot of whom are actually playing every week for their team. One guy who isn't is Matt Turner, and he didn't look rusty, I don't think, at all. And one of the things that I saw recently from him was he's come out and he's talked about his time at Arsenal, and he says he's massively improved. And i got to be honest, when I saw that, I kind of rolled my eyes. I was like, you've played a game. You've played a couple matches. How could you have massively improved? He definitely seems confident. He doesn't seem like he's missing playing every week. He seems like he's the best goalie in the pool right now, basically off that performance alone. Ooh, it's tough, tough to judge. You you gotta say right now, you have to say right now, he's the leader in the clubhouse. Oh, no, absol- start, right? absolutely, Seb. But as far as improving. Yeah. And I'm it's not just saying that because. Because he's shown me what he's always shown me. Right, but I'm not just saying that because Stefan is injured, and we can always put that asterisk to Stefan that, oh, he could be hurt. But I'm you also need saying to say that because Stefan is injured. Yeah, but I'm also saying that because Zach Stefan isn't playing. Like, even when, you know, he lost his job. So. Zach Steffen's played more with, than Matt Turner, but Matt
2: Turner See, but right now the guys makes pointed you feel out more the, secure.
1: Yes, and the guys pointed out on the broadcast, the Arsenal schedule is actually favorable in a lot of ways. It for is, Turner. because they'll
2: play a game a yes. week, and he'll yep.
1: get a game a week. And right now, I can't tell you that Zach Steffen will be available for a game a week. Yep, yep. It feels like Steffen has room to gain on Turner, and you don't know if there's going to be space for him to gain that room. But we also know that he's a Berhalter favorite. And that might help close the gap.
2: Because it was was Matt Turner who came on the show and pointed out, and we didn't realize until he pointed out, like, hey, every single important game, Greg Berhalter has gone with Zach Steffen. Costa Rica, Mexico, Mm. like those important games, he's gone with Zach Steffen. So, if that's the case, what's more important than heading to the World Cup? If –
1: Zach Steffen's healthy. You almost assume Greg Berhalter will go with Zach Steffen. We focus so much on the nine. I think this is the biggest decision that Greg Berhalter has. Be. Because when you make this decision, you can't swap it. Like, you can swap your nines throughout the World Cup. I don't think once you make this choice, you and, can swap and it and it'll end well. It'll and end let's badly. let's be realistic. What's, what's more probable,
2: a goalkeeper having to come up big or Jesus Ferreira having to score a goal in the World Cup?
1: Yeah. I mean, depending on who you play. But, yes, I think Well, just goalie, in this group. Yeah. Your goalie's going to be the most important player uh, for the U.S. All right, one more stock up, stock down here. Let's go to the midfield. Huh? Now, we know, we know Tyler Adams is going to start. We know Weston McKinney's is going to start. There's another spot in there that most people think is for Yunus Musa. Yunus Musa hurts, so Luca Della Torre gets those, those minutes tonight. What do you think of his performance? Is his stock on the rise or on the fall? Stock down. And. Ooh, this one hurts you because you said Luca della Torre was 99.99999% sure to start a game. And he's still Qatar. mate. He's still mate. But the reality is,
2: what I love most about Luca della Torre is his straight up just arrogance. Mm-hmm. He's an arrogant kid. Cocky player. Cocky On right. the ball. Yeah. He, he knows he can glide by you, he knows he can pass the ball through you. I didn't see that today. Yeah. He was getting bodied, getting bullied by a Japanese midfield. I mean, Credit to Japan, they look like a team. Yeah. But Luca De La Torre being a guy who thinks he's going to be an integral part of this team come Qatar, this is where you got to show it. We're less than 60 days away from the World Cup. If you ever had an opportunity to say like, hey, I want to be the man in this midfield. I want to be part of this midfield with Weston McKinney, mm. with Tyler Adams, who are locks. No Eunice Musa because he's banged up. It's now. And he's not played in La
1: Liga with Celta de Vigo. That's what's interesting to me. And he had a bad showing tonight versus Japan. Because you said when he made the move to Celta that you weren't crazy about it. You didn't know that it was gonna be the best situation for him ahead of a World Cup. He's not playing there, and I think what we saw today, because I'm with you on Luca De La Torre, he's that guy in midfield who makes it look easy, who does it quicker than everybody else. We saw a guy who was slow on the ball. I saw him get caught on the ball multiple times, like dribbling into pressure. That's not something you usually see from Della Torre. I have to think of the guys who are suffering from rust because of their club situation. Luca Della Torre might be at the top of that list. And I think you were right. I think the Celta move may long-term work out for him because you don't want to be in the second division in Holland compared to La Liga. But it doesn't feel like right now, especially for the World Cup, that it was the move the adequate. Sorry, I blanked that up. You said I was right. Yeah, I know. It doesn't happen very Listen, often. It doesn't happen very often. I love Luca Delor. And when a,
2: a player who's arrogant starts doubting himself, it's over. Yeah. He can't doubt himself. He's
1: a special player, he needs to prove it. He needs to believe that. He needs to think it every time he's on the field. So Luca De La Torre then uh, gets the start against Japan, but his stock goes down after the performance. Uh, in a two-nothing defeat for the United States. The international Window continues up next for the United States. Saudi Arabia on Tuesday. We got MLS coming your way on October 2nd. Portland against LAFC. Herc, you might be calling this one, I feel like. It's uh, ABC, ESPN Deportes, and streaming live on the ESPN app. More MLS coming to your television soon.
0: Polisic was prepared to come out and say these things, even with Tuchel in charge at Chelsea. Why, do, why? Why? Why do you need to write a book?
7: I don't know why he's putting out a, a book. Uh, I guess, uh, I don't know, he wants to copy me, I guess. That's <laughs> why he wants to <laughs> put, put a book out. But...
0: And it's actually Tuchel's fault. You don't go telling players one thing, and then when it comes to it, you do something else. Well, but, but just to go back to my original question, uh-huh. why? Oh my days. Managers change their mind. All right, when it happens to you, you're a little bit gutted, you're a little bit upset, but it all just sounds a little bit babyish to me. I mean, this whinge would carry more weight if, you know, Chelsea had lost. <laughs> right. You get Thomas Tuchel sitting there <laughs> and he's off with his feet up, big cigar. You bash the door in, storm in there, and he's getting it all barrels and he'll just go. And we won. Yeah.
7: Well, I would, I would have been his teammate. I would have come to him and i say, well, wh- why are you whining about? You are somehow focused
1: on writing this book now. Oh, it's very dramatic, Gab. <laughs> what does he gain from it? The ESPN FC has had plenty to say on the explosive excerpts from Christian Pulisic's upcoming book. In case you missed him, here's the comments about the second leg of last year's Champions League semifinal against Real Madrid. Of course, we remember Pulisic scored Chelsea's lone goal in the first leg. Quote, What happened before that game was hugely disappointing for me. I had a really good first leg performance, and our following match was against Fulham in the league. Tuchel told me that he was resting me for the second leg, and as a result, I didn't play a single minute in the Fulham game. Then... On match day of the second semi, Tuchel tells me he's changed his mind and he's going with Kai Havertz. I honestly was dumbfounded and very disappointed. Herc, are you cool with Polisic's public criticism of his now former manager at Chelsea?
2: Yeah, I'm cool with it. Let me just. Uh, really? Yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll tell you why. Okay, Let me okay. just get a few things off uh, off my chest. Dan Thomas hates Christian Pulisic. <laughs> Hates Christian Pulisic. Dan Thomas of ESPN FC. Um, I think Dan Thomas
1: hates all the Christian Pulisic fans in the YouTube comments because I know he reads them. A- a- and why would he do this? Yes. I also mentioned Dan Thomas hosts uh, ESPN FC, which has talked about Christian Pulisic's book excerpts. Not the last day, not the last two days, the last three days. Why would he do this? Love you, Dan. Uh,
2: because, as you can see on ESPNFC, mm-hmm. they've spoken about Christian Pulisic in this book for the last three days. It sells. Christian Pulisic sells. Good or bad, he's polemic, he sells. So why would he write a book? Because it would sell. Okay,
1: let me stop you right there. Let me stop you right there. Can I just really quickly say my... I just want... want.
2: Christian Pulisic doesn't need the money. Hold on. Like the great American poet, Marshawn Lynch said,
1: (laughs) make your money, take care of y'all chicken. Okay, I hope he does that. Now, go ahead. Why not why not wait? Like if you're Christian Polisic, yes it sells. Obviously you always wanna grow your brand. Do you need a book right now? Do you need a book that's commenting on your manager? Who by the way, if if we assume I mean obviously this book didn't appear in the last two days, this was gonna be published with Thomas Tuchel potentially as manager? Good point. Was Christian Polisic really like, willing to... So, that, so that, I, hey, I thought about if that. If Tuchel's a manager, this is a... Th- you think this three He's days done. on FC, it's done. seven days. He's done. Yeah, yeah. He's done. Do you think if Tuchel's a manager, it's still in the book? That's what I wonder. Of I course wonder. it's still in the book. You don't... I mean, you have to
2: assume this was cleared months ago. Right? So he would have right. thought that Christian Pulisic would, or yeah. Sorry, that Thomas Tuchel would still be his manager. That tells me how upset Christian Pulisic was. Like, he now, didn't care. Like, he didn't Thomas care. Thomas Tuchel broke code. Mm. OK, and Steve, uh, mm. Steve Nichol yeah. alluded to it in the FC segment when he said it's on Thomas Tuchel. Yeah. Yeah. It's also on Christian Pulisic, but Thomas Tuchel broke code first. You don't tell a player and then go back on it. That said, Craig Burley is absolutely right. He did what he needed to do to win that game. So Christian Pulisic can have zero argument because they won the Champions League final. They won the Champions League. They lifted that trophy. So whatever Thomas Tuchel did, you eat it as a player. Now, just this- Christian Pulisic have a gripe? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. He was lied to. Absolutely. Do I have a problem with him putting this in the book? No. Because obviously people want, or he feels people want to hear what he has to say, and it will sell. So I've got zero issue here. I've got more of an issue, the reaction to it. Okay. From? From British media from a sector of FC. that think that Christian Perisic is so irrelevant. Boy, he's so irrelevant you've spoken about him for the last three days. <laughs> this is exactly why he writes a book, because people want to hear what he has to say. Now, he's 24 years old. He just turned it on Sunday, I believe, mm-hmm. right? Yep. The guy started playing with the national team at 16 years old. He's been at this for eight years, already won a Champions League. He's about to go to his first World Cup. There are people out there who think he's experienced it enough where they're interested in what he has to say. Whether you think he's right or wrong, that's a different story. But don't act surprised that the kid wrote a book. We're focusing He's not the first
1: and he won't be the last. No, it is very early. And obviously I think that, that plays a lot into why people raise their eyebrows. Right? He's 24 years old. Um, we're focusing a lot on the dump out and, and the very disappointed. It was clear that he wanted to take shots at Tuchel, though, because he also talked about that first goal in the first leg against Real Madrid. And in the book, in one of the excerpts, he says, Tuchel was literally telling me, not to make the run that I made that ends in the goal. That is, that is a. We Shot have shots fired. So I, I thought to myself, like, how
2: could you hear that? You're on the field. And then I went back and actually watched highlights of that game. It was right. during the pandemic, right. there was zero crowd in that game. So you could absolutely hear the coaches on the sideline. Now, that doesn't surprise me from Thomas Tuchel because Thomas Tuchel is an uber defensive coach. Sure. Right? Sure. Took a chance, it paid off for you, good. But he also talks about the play of the assist on Mason Mount. And that speaks to me of the high IQ of Christian Pulisic in that game. He has to wait for the play to develop for Mason Mount to recognize the run and then get in front of his defender and then put it across for the goal. These are things that me as a pundit, and if you're a U.S. Miss National Team fan, you want to hear and you are dumbfounded by like, wow, this kid is actually pretty intelligent the way he sees the game. Now, where he lacks in that intelligence is that social awareness to know that this may impact
1: him going forward with Thomas Tuchel, because Thomas Tuchel was just let go recently. Christian Pulisic then getting all the headlines. Wasn't in the game tonight uh, for the United States against Japan, but Tyler Adams was. He's standing by right now with our Alexis Nunez. Alexis.
8: Yeah, thanks, Sebi. We've got Tyler here putting on a brave face, of course. We know it was a frustrating result, Tyler. Mm -hmm. We heard from Greg, and he said what he wanted was a bit more personality. How do you take that, and and what made it difficult to not show up with the personality we usually see you guys with? Mm -hmm.
5: No, it's definitely a a tough one to take. I mean, you come here um, wanting to treat it like a group stage game of the World Cup in preparation for the World Cup, and um, we didn't reach our standard today at the end of the day. Um, We faced a a talented team, but in the end it felt like we almost played into their hands Um, we got a little bit we had a little bit of frustration seep in um, and you could just tell the team was was off uh, a little late to tackles um, late receiving the ball finding solutions um, being dangerous and creating chances like we normally do so um, it's a learning experience at the end of the day and something that we got to take on the chin for the next game
8: and of course credit to japan as you said a very talented team that took their chances Mm -hmm. definitely um you guys of course had the frustrations was there a bit of rust involved a bit of kind of getting back together getting the gang back together and flowing is there
5: Yeah, absolutely, but you, again, you have to give credit to Japan. They're such a talented team. I've played against um, a bunch of those guys in the Bundesliga before, and you know they have quality all over the field, and, and they showed it tonight. So credit to their game plan. It worked, um, but it didn't feel like we executed our match plan going into the game. And um, At the end of the day, we can't just start to waver and do our own things and uh, allow individuality to, to creep into the team. We need to stick together as a team at the end of the day, and we didn't do that.
8: And then looking at the stats, of course, with the U.S. playing away from home, it, mm-hmm. it doesn't look too pretty, of uh-huh. course. Um, I think it's like about 1 in 10 wins. Okay. Um, now that you're going away, you have a whole mm-hmm. tournament away from mm-hmm. home, you have these warm-ups away from mm-hmm. home. How'd you guys, you know, remedy that? Is that a bit of a concern?
5: No, no, no. I mean, we even felt a little bit of the support today from our from our fans, so we're yeah, not... It showed up. We, yeah, yeah, for sure. And we didn't even really think about that. That's the first time I heard that statistic. Um, but away games are never easy in general, but when you go to a World Cup, everyone's playing away at the end of the day, so um, we just have to deal with that as it comes. But again, learning experience, we have to build on it.
8: Yeah, everyone says that you learn a bit more from a loss than you do from 100%. a win. Saudi Arabia next, mm-hmm. you know, of course, everyone would pick the U.S. favorites <laughs> yeah. for this one. How'd you guys regroup Get in the right mental state for that one?
5: We never, We never want to go into a game thinking that we're the favorites. We've, we've had this underdog mentality for a long time now. Um, playing Saudi Arabia, we again know they have quality. Another World Cup opponent as well. Um, so we have to bring our A game. We need a better performance than what we reached today.
8: Tyler, thanks so much. See yeah, you Tuesday. You're welcome. Yeah,
5: see you Tuesday. Back yeah, to you guys. Yeah. All right, thank you very much, Alexis. Thanks to Tyler Adams
1: as well uh, out there in Dusseldorf Good. after the U.S. Uh, loses 2 nothing to Japan. Uh, some interesting comments there from Tyler. He said they didn't reach our standard. He also talked about the underdog mentality. What would you make of it? He also mentioned that they wanted Not to just say this. this. I love Tyler Adams. I love, he, like, that kid from the time he was 16 talked like a captain, and every time he just says exactly what you want to hear.
2: Told me to F off when he was 16, and I was
1: ah, uh, on oh, the field. Who hasn't
2: of done course. that? Yet. On the field. Um, but that's when I knew he was special. Um, well, how special am I then? <laughs> if that's all it takes. <laughs> they wanted to treat this like a group. Yeah, World Cup group phase. Phase game. That's a performance. You put out. The mentality was
1: to treat this like a group phase game. I'm seeing your 1-10 your to 10 start at a 6. I'm seeing it grow throughout well, the show. Well, because the player
2: is missing. But Tyler Adams won't be missing. Right. And for Tyler Adams, and I know his blood is boiling, and that's what I love about him. Yeah. To hear his coach say they were lacking personality, I feel like Tyler Adams in his head thinks he's the true captain of this team, mm. the true leader of this team. And he is boiling by the remarks because in his head – Tyler Adams doesn't think he got these men ready. He right. got these players you th- you ready. You think
1: he thinks it's on him as a leader.
2: Absolutely. I remember the old Max and Herc podcast. Yes. Yep. We interviewed him in, a, in a, a media day. I interviewed him um, by myself, and we had a discussion. And it was 2017 Open Cup Final, I believe, uh, New York Red Bulls versus Kansas City in Kansas City. And I'm calling the game for the Portes, and here's this Tyler Adams kid who's 16 years old, and he's literally – telling his teammates to pick it up, literally telling his teammates you need to be better, like in their face while they're down. And I asked him about it and he's like, it's my responsibility, regardless of age, to get these guys ready, to know they're up for the moment because they can't let me, they can't let themselves down. And I remember thinking to myself like, what is this kid on? But I love that mentality. So I know he'll feel slighted by it.
1: Uh, speaking of mentality, he used the word underdog mentality. The U.S. never sees themselves as a favorite. Is that necessarily a good thing? Aren't there some games you want to say, no, we are the favorite. We need the onus is on us. Like, we're Why? the team.
2: What have you done to prove you're the favorite? Did you had a the last
1: World Cup? Well, but that's, I mean, that's four Did years you ago. You have Cup to look cycle? at the matchups today where they are today. you the World Cup cycle? You have to, How many games have you won to So you think home? the U.S. will just play reactive soccer the entire World Cup, just sit back and relax, not going to try to be the favorite, the protagonist? I mean, Against at some suit. point the U.S. Against will need suit. to England? Against Wales, I mean Wales plays very defensive. If Wales and the U.S. both sit back, it's going to be a really boring game. There are games, right? There are games. I mean, you games, can't go at can. Iran. You don't. You don't think that's.
2: Well, I mean, going to have to. I'm not underestimating I would say but the team you can. If you you, you, you have to win, pace. you have to
1: score and win to get out of the group phase. <laughs> yeah,
2: you can't you just have play to play zero zero. I'm not saying play zero zero, Seb, but this arrogance is very American. The American arrogance of, but I will go back to what have you done to prove? Yeah. That you can play this way. I mean, Japan just played you off the field in a neutral site, just bullied and bodied you all up and down the field. And now you're going to go into a game versus Wells and think that you're going to dictate the game, the play. Manage expectations. Be better so you don't have to be in a situation where you're chasing the game, but by no means come in with this arrogance because you're American.
1: You need to be at a world level. Uh, You know, one thing we haven't talked enough about. In this match, we got to see the kits for the first time. The new World Cup kits on the field for the first time. It was pretty exciting. Our Football Americas cameras were actually at the kit launch event last week. Let's check out what they saw.
8: As a former player, you always look forward to the World Cup. That's where your sport is on the world stage. And for all the games that I've played in with our national team, I will never forget the World Cup games.
3: So I think that the whole collection is amazing. Uh, You know, it's a a lot of work uh, over the last two years, but I think the results uh, speak for themselves. The design process started back in January of 2020. So I had the opportunity to uh, spend time with the men's team and the women's team and just validate the work and make sure that we're going down the right direction and probably redirecting a little bit based on their feedback. I can see myself, especially in that state sweatshirt when it's a little colder, not not necessarily in Qatar, but when it's when it's a little bit colder, for sure. It, you know, it does have shades of that with, with the striping around the shoulders, doesn't it? You know, I know there, there's been some criticism, right, particularly from the, the player pool, but I don't think they've got the full context. And what I mean by that is I don't know if it was shown in, with the whole collection, first of all, and then second of all, if they saw the whole kit you know, um, in isolation, the whole the whole white kit, the whole blue kit. Because when you do, when I saw it here live, it, it's it's a good kit. And, and I, anytime you're putting on the U.S. men's national team jersey at a World Cup, it's special. And at the end of the day, it doesn't matter what the kit looks like; uh, it matters what it represents.
1: So there you have it, full reaction uh, after we got to see the uh, US jerseys for the first time, now on a field, uh, then in person uh, at the big event in New York. Uh, all right, so do they look any better on TV? Shiny digs don't make players. you happy to play in a t-shirt. That said, ah, if you're come a fan, on.
2: if you're a fan, yes. Woo.
1: Look at that, look at that on Serginio's desk. That, the crest just looks so awkward there in the middle. Man. Speaking of awkward, you know what really is awkward? Have you seen the women's jerseys? Mm-mm. So they have the crest in the middle, and then the incredibly important, the most important thing you can possibly have—the World Cup winners' badge—kind of like wedged on the side. It's like they didn't—they forgot about the women. They didn't like. There were so many oversights in this. But they got the stars. They got the stars. <laughs> they got—they got four of them. But uh, okay, so now that we've seen it live, are we not gonna, we're not gonna—we're gonna uh, give it a stock up to a dripping. Are we keeping it at drippin'? Ee dripping. Well, we haven't seen the blues yet. Maybe we'll see the blues against Saudi Arabia. That'll be it. Better. You said you love the blues, right? They're, they're no, favorites? no, no. I didn't say I love the blues. You, you, you like Stop. them slightly more Stop. than the uh... Japan's kits, by the way. Those, Those are right. nice. Have you seen Saudi Arabia's kits? Those are nice. Okay, I'm pumped to see them. I'm pumped to see them uh, on Tuesday when the United States uh, faces off against Saudi Arabia. Let's talk more kits, this time Canada. I know this is is kind of a sad story for our friends up north. They're not getting new kits for the World Cup because according to Nike, they're on a quote, different kit development cycle. What do you think about that? That's the, we didn't expect you to make the World Cup (laughs) (laughs) response from your good friends at Nike.
2: Oh man, come on. I will say, I do love the black, Yes, all black. I don't know if they'll use it at the World Cup, but I do love the all black uh, kits other than that.
1: Ah, my Canadian friends. Whoa, oh, Canada. That's right. Back in the World Cup for the first time since 1986, and they can't even get new kids.
0: Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology
5: Se ah,
4: Sepúlveda, Memo, 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 corner. Y ahí es McKinney, en la palma de Memo John.
5: Va a ir cerrado, por eso están todos ahí. ¡Le pegan ¡No está como arquero! ¡Memo John!
4: ¿Qué etapa ¿Dónde?
1: Joined now on Football Américas by Guillermo Memo Ochoa. You know him, of course, as a goalie for the Mexican national team, for Club América, but also he's a part of Team Expedia. I understand you're an ambassador for travel to Mexico City, so quickly give us what a day in Mexico City would be like if we were going off your tour itinerary.
4: Well, uh, if you want to spend a a good day in Mexico, you have to spend the day with me. (laughs) Of course, when I have a work, I, I don't have a lot of time to, to go out. But when, when I have the free time, I try to spend with my family. Um, when I was young, I was uh, in the in the school. Uh, I used to go in 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 Coyoacan, mm-hmm. so I grew up in Coyoacan and most of my time I spend in, in the center of, of Coyoacán uh, when I was in the school and when I was uh, in the class. No? So so for me is the heart of Mexico uh, because you have a lot of things to do there. No? You have all the, the markets uh, with a, a lot of different foods, uh, a lot of uh, different kind of uh, meals uh, to, to eat. Uh, you have the, the, the churros. I was going to say, I saw yeah, that on yeah, your Instagram. We saw it
2: I, I just got to know where I get the
1: tacos. Los,
4: tacos, tacos, yeah. uh,
2: where's, tacos. where's
1: the spot to go for lunch in Coyoacan?
4: For lunch, uh, in this, this uh, I don't know how, how to say that, but this, you have like two or three market, big market mm-hmm. inside Coyoacan. So, Inside the market you can find uh, tacos if you want, but also quesadillas with cheese. <laughs> Sometimes if you ask for one quesadilla, they give you without cheese. It's a tortilla. <laughs> the tortilla <laughs> is like a taco. Uh, you have a birria, uh, you have a pozole, enchiladas. Uh, you can find all the Mexican foods there, so, uh, but churros also. Uh, and you can put inside the churro whatever you want, no, the, the chocolate, chocolate, can whatever, all the chocolate, caramel, the caramel everything. Perfect. So I'm it's hungry, a nice bro. place. You ready to
1: go? <laughs>
4: <laughs> My kids love to to go there uh, and spend the, the the day there because you have a uh, music when uh, when you are walking, or the, the plaza you have a uh, music, uh, you have the the balloons, you no? Know, yeah, to buy uh, everything, so it's, it's, you have a lot of color there.
1: Oh, all right, let's talk some soccer. Yeah, let's go. Right, uh, This okay. isn't your first World Cup coming up. You've been around this team for a long time. Mm-hmm. How would you describe the vibe, the feeling around the team as you guys get ready for the World Cup?
4: Well, uh, with the people or the press.
1: <laughs> let's say both, let's start yeah. With, yeah,
4: with, the both. Is, oh, with, with the people. With the people is different because uh, I feel uh, everyone is positive know, when you find or when you talk with the people outside the, to the beach or, or the stadium and they ask you for a photo or autograph, uh, they always being positive. Uh, hey, come on, uh, you're are you go- you going to do a, a good World Cup. Uh, we already have the tickets for, for Qatar. We, have, uh, we already buy everything. All my family is going to be there in, in Qatar. So, oh, oh, it's positive. But you have the, the other side, the, the dark side. <laughs> <So> <laughs> By it's, dark side, do you mean press? It, it, sometimes, well, what's sometimes. What's that like? Oh, well, uh, I, I don't try to, to see a lot of programs to, to see the TV, because for one athlete, it's not so good that no? sometimes, if you are always in front of the, of the TV, but of course, you you hear something sometimes, you read something sometimes, and um, and always they try to to have something to to speak about, mm-hmm. and always the, neg- the negative have more to to, to more clicks, more yeah. clicks. Yeah, of yeah. Course. yeah.
2: Memo, speaking on that pessimistic nature of the media, um, Tata Martino went out to say he feels like public enemy number one. Um, going off that pessimistic nature, maybe in the press and in the fan base, what do you make of those comments?
4: Well, uh, if he said that, uh, it's because uh, he feels that no, and it's normal because he's not used to to live in Mexico. He don't know the reality of the of the of the country of the Mexican press, so. You have to think about this, No, I think uh, for him it's, it's a big surprise because you, you, you make a, a good qualification, not the best, but a good qualification right. games. Uh, you make the first two years uh, very good two years, after that, uh, not so bad in the results, maybe sometimes in the game, in the performance, it wasn't the best. But uh, you lose the final of National League, final. You lose the final of the Cup, final. Yeah. Because you have to be there in the final. You lose the final, so yeah. you, you can win or lose. It's, it's a sport, so... Uh, and you lose in the qualification two games. So, sometimes, uh, if, if you look at this from the outside, from another national teams. Uh, th- in, if you give them the same results, they will say, "Oh, it's okay." No, yeah. if we make this kind of points at at the end, it's it's good enough for for Canada, for the USA, for Costa Rica, for Canada. But sometimes not for Mexico. N- but that is the outside of the Mexico national team, not in, uh, not in, in the inside. Right. No, within the team. Yeah, inside the team from the, dwarf to insight for to, to, to us, uh, we are okay because we know this situation, so we already hear that a lot of times, no? me like, uh, uh, like others with more experience, uh, it's not the first time that we hear that, so we need to, to try to, to come to uh, the group, we need to talk with the group. So everybody understands everything and understand this. Of course, uh, we have to, to improve our performance, all, always, all the time. And we are going to try to do this uh, until the, the first game.
1: You mentioned a couple of those games were against the United States. Uh, let's talk a little bit about that rivalry. Of course, there was yeah. the, the big moment with you and Christian Pulisic. You talked about El Espejo, then he had yeah. the man in the mirror. Yeah. I saw you guys also hook up when Club América and Chelsea played. There was a moment there. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you regretted all those comments? And do you think the nature of the rivalry has maybe changed from before you said that now?
4: No, 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 I don't regret that because uh, it wasn't personal. No, it's just part of the game. I don't have nothing against the US team uh, or against some player. Uh, it's just part of the game. It's part of the history. It's part of uh, of this rivalry, and that's it. No, this has to, to stay in the in the pitch. Uh, I I saw him. Uh, after the game I saw him two months uh, three months later in one friendly game in in Las Vegas uh, and we speak uh, about that no and and we say hey, doesn't, doesn't uh, no, nothing happened here no so it's okay it's, it's part of the game it's part of this uh, industry so is normal, no? because for you it was okay, uh, for the fans it was the same. Yeah.
1: You know, it was great for our industry. It, it,
2: it was, you know, it, it's funny, um, but every four years we get the best of Memo Cho, and it happens mm. to be in the World Cup. Mm. Um, it was in Brazil where you shut out Neymar and Luka Modric, mm. uh, and now you're gonna have a chance to go up against Messi and Lewandowski. Mm. Yeah. I mean, you, you saved your best moments for the World Cup, what can you <laughs> expect going against Messi and Lewandowski?
4: Well, uh, I expect to, to have a a greater, a greater result, not only me. No, of course, I have to do a great job. Uh, we need a great uh, performance of uh, uh, every player, uh, because, of course, we, we talk about uh, Robert no, Lewandowski, but it's not only him. No, Behind him, he, you can find a lot of good players, I got, uh, a lot of uh, elite players. So, this is going to be a, a tough game. Uh, and, okay, uh, also you have to, to, to play against Messi, but it's not only Messi, you know, because they have a lot of good players, Argentina. Uh, but I think uh, in, in one World Cup, you want to, to play against the best, uh, of the best of the history, the best uh, of the best in, in the world. And um, for me, the group is, is, is a, a tough group. But it's the same in the, in the other uh, World Cup. We, uh, we play against, uh, I remember in, in Russia, uh, against Korea, uh, against uh, Germany, the first game, uh, Switzerland, the, the, the third game. It was a tough group. In Brazil also, no, against uh, Croatia, Cameroon, yeah. uh, and Brazil. So it's never easy, no. It's never easy, and but I think uh, we are we are ready for, for this challenge. <laughs>
1: All right, great to talk to Memo Ochoa, head of Mexico's upcoming friendlies. So we take a look at his stats. I feel like Christian Pulisic might be working in production. Why is that thing at the bottom there pointed out? Saved zero of 16 penalties yeah, on that's target. That's unnecessary from our producer. <laughs> in Liga Mecchi oh. since uh, 2019. The anti-memo agenda alive and well here <laughs> on Football America. It's time now to welcome in Mauricio Pedrosa. Of course, uh, you know him as Herc's co-host on Ahora Unuca. They actually spoke to Memo Ochoa in Spanish as well. Good thing we got to speak to Memo because pretty much like every Everybody else on the team is hurt, right? Oh, yeah, pretty
7: much. <laughs> I mean, speaking of players being available, he's always yep. available. The rest of them, not so much. It's always a pleasure to be with you, especially after El Baile. Ooh, El Baile, el look baile at The Baile, have the US National
1: Yeah, game. it was a pretty contundente victoria break break, uh, yeah. uh, from Japan. <laughs> Who do you think has a worse injury stack up right now, US or Mexico? Mexico, yeah. Yeah. because yeah. of the options behind said injured players for Mexico. Okay. All right, so we got two big games coming up for Mexico. Last chances for Tata Martino to make some big decisions. We're always focusing, though, on the opener against Poland at the World Cup. So, as we think about these two games, let's lock in on some key position battles we'll be watching for. But before we get to that, we need to know, Mao, who's already a lock to be in the 11 against Poland. So, give us your your lineup locks. Break out the sticker
7: book. So, um, this might not be as easy as it sounds. Okay. Right? But yes, let's start with those who we believe are already a lock to start against Poland in a, a little bit like two months. So we'll start with our good guy, Memo yeah. Choa. Okay. It was great to talk to him, right? No debate. Right? So we no debate. Football America your number one on the list. Of course. Of course. And then I think, I think both uh, left back and right back are already set. Okay. okay. One of them is injured though. Jorge Sanchez is not going to play the friendly matches, but his injury is not yeah, really concerning. So, Jorge Sanchez starting as a right fullback, and then of the left hand side, Gerardo Arteaga. Okay, okay. Right? We're all I,
2: clear on that, right?
7: I think we, I think we're okay with that, unless Tata Martino,
1: who you guys know really well, mm-hmm. truly loves Jesus Gallardo. Hi, uh, he's the only one that loves Jesus Gallardo. <laughs> he's the
7: only one who loves Jesus Gallardo. <laughs> But I don't think at this point that he's starting over a guy who's playing in Europe. And honestly, has been very, very consistent when he plays for the Mexican national team. Okay. All right, moving on. Uh, I'm gonna go with, I call it numero cinco, you guys call it number six, Mm -hmm. right? Defensive midfielder. That's Edson, do not call him Planepantlas. Beckenbauer. Yeah, I don't like it. But he Explain. doesn't like it. I asked him and he doesn't like That's that nickname. From. I won't call him again that. Um and let's not forget this. He's probably the player in best form right now for the Mets. Not named Memocho, yeah. Not named Memochoa. Yeah. Yeah. exactly. Agreed. So he's he's in great form. And then, if he's fit, if he's 100%, and close to 100%, 80%, I think Hector Herrera is starting no matter what, right? For Tata Martino, that's a lock. I agree. That is a lock. All right. And then we have to move up. Give me that front forward. line. Give me that Tridente. I think there's only one, one player that has his place. Lots hmm. here in the okay. starting 11, and we all know who that is. That's honestly the only player who's fit 100%, close to 100%, and that's even El Chucky Lozano, Dale. right? And that's it. I think those are definitely going to start against Poland. So we have five spots yep. that are truly question marks for the Mexican national team, that's
2: a lot. That's a big number. It is, and even that lock, Edmund Lozano, which I agree with you, has only played 51% of the games in Serie A, one assist, and in World Cup qualifying, one goal against Mm. Honduras.
7: And remember, I I had a chance to talk to him on Tuesday during the Mexican national team media day here in LA, and he he gave me the impression that he's concerned for his health in the long term. Mm. He had another concussion, and he had to miss two games This is his third concussion in the last two years. For a player like that, it's not easy. So these are my locks
1: for the starter for the opening game against Poland. Okay, so you think that we've got what, five? Six of the 11 sorted. That means we got five position battles that we need to keep an eye on for these upcoming games against Peru and Colombia. Let's start in the center of defense because this Herc is a position that you and I have been talking about for a long time. It still seems unsettled. That position is not sorted yet for Tata Martino. We only have two months left.
7: And and, and again, this is what I want to see, right? Not what I believe Tata is going to do. Right. I want the center backs to be Nestor Araujo Ooh. and Johan Wow, Nestor Araujo, 30 years old, remember he lost? He wasn't he he wasn't able to play uh, the World Cup in Russia because of injury mm-hmm. as well, but I think this is his time. He made the tough decision of leaving Europe, leaving Celta de Vigo to come back and play against uh, again in the Mexican League for Club America. And once he was healthy, he placed 90 minutes And he plays center back, starter center back,
2: for the best team in the Mexican league. Yeah, this is pretty consistent with what Tata Martino has shown us uh, as far as Nestor Araujo, because he's played a lot of the games for Tata Martino. Um, So this is consistent, at least Nestor Araujo for Tata Martino.
1: I'm surprised you went with Johan Vasquez, and just thinking about a guy like Cesar Montes, who we've talked about a lot
2: be honest, this really surprises me. Really? When you take consideration his level of play right now and Tata Martino, he's played four out of the seven games in Serie yeah. A, only 39% of the minutes. Mm. He played four games in World Cup qualifying. Mexico only won one, and that was against the worst, worst team in World Cup qualifying, Honduras. And
7: he admitted on Tuesday yes. that yeah. took a toll on his mental health. He was depressed after those games against the U.S. men's national team and Canada because he was the one who was starting those games. That was not a regular starter yeah. for Tata Martino, and he felt like it was his fault that Mexico didn't perform well. Tough games. Tough games. Tough games. Now, if we go to the depth chart, right, Nestor Araujo would be taking, would be taking Cesar Montes' place. Yep. Johan Vásquez, I think he's competing against Héctor Moreno. Héctor Moreno is 34 years old. And he has only started the last, two of the last seven games for Rayados de Monterrey. Yeah. So that's a tough decision for Tata Martino. And you're saying it because of the profile, two left footed players. All right, so moving on to the midfield, right? We know Edson starting, Hector Herrera starting. Who's playing on the left hand side of Edson Gutierrez? I think this is the best option, and it's not Eric Andres Gutierrez. Guardado. It is Eddie Gutierrez. First of all, Andres Guardado is 35, Yeah. right? He's coming up an injury as well. And Eric Gutierrez is a regular starter for Ruth Van Nistelrooy at PSV. He's left. Yeah, he's a regular. I did, I did not say he started every game. Yes. He's a regular starter. And, yeah, you know, I am 100% correct with that assessment. Yes. So, and, and that's the big question, right? Is Andres Guardado, who's the captain of the team, is he going to start or is it going to be Eric Gutierrez? Eric said. He doesn't believe he's going to start because of Guardado's experience. He's his, his, his level of the captain, right? But I believe he gives Tata
2: Martino the best option of a really solid, good box-to-box player. Unless Guardado is the captain of the team. Hmm. He's played 177 games for the Mexican national team. But what is surprising is in World Cup qualifying, he only played or started, I should say, four
1: games for Tata Martino out of the right. 14. This is a very specific Poland pick for you with Gutierrez, right? Oh, yeah, this is a 100%. matchup thing because he gives you something that Guardado and, and maybe nobody else in that pool does. Yes, number one. And remember the way Poland plays. They have a, a line of five
7: midfielders. So that's gonna be a really, really, really tough matchup for the Mexican national team, the way they play with only three. You're gonna have your wingers coming back, uh, Having a different position on the field and supporting the midfield, I believe Eri Gutierrez gives you the best the best chance over Andres Well. Alright, let's go up top. Let's talk about the right. big guns now. So huh? who's gonna play opposite to Irving Lozano? Yes. We know Tecatito Corona won't be able to play. Tata Martino's still hoping for a miracle. You're gonna like it. Well now it. he well, now, now he said it might not be a miracle. <laughs> That's you're, huh? you're right. Uh you, you are gonna love this one. Yes, give me some Dieguito Laines. Wow. Diego Laines because he's a natural fit, mm. right? he's probably competing against Alexis Vega to be the starter against Poland. But Alexis Vega is usually a starter from the left-hand side. I know you can move Chucky Lozano to the right-hand side as he does for Napoli. That's that's actually his position. But I think this is Diego Leines' time, right? If he's one of the best talents in Mexican soccer, give him the chance to start, see what he's got, and I think Whenever he's played for the national team, he's performed really
2: well. Uh, if he gets to play uh, under World Cup qualifying Tata Martino, Tata Martino has been very consistent. He's played three games, 36 minutes, 23 minutes, 24 minutes. He's not played a lot for Tata Martino. During qualifiers, <laughs> right? <laughs> What's going you to the but, World Cup? But if you go to goal Gold Cup,
1: def- all the games, yep. Some, he was a regular, and he looked good, right? Consistent option off the bench. I want to see if Tata's willing to start him. I think That's that'll the be bench. the big decision. I like why you pick him there, too, because for me, he's the closest to Tecatito. Yeah, exactly. Alexis is different. Orbelin, if you were to put him in that conversation, different. He's like Tecatito. He can break down. It, it really down. is a three-man race, right? It's Diego, it's Diego
2: Lainez, Alexis Vega, and it's Orbelin Pineda for that spot. And don't
1: forget Uriel Antuna. Ooh.
7: Uriel Antuna will likely. As a starter. Will...
1: starter, as a starter Muriel Antuna will Fun. start
2: against Peru
7: Ow. on Saturday. Playing that position.
1: He'll get so, his chance. He'll get
7: his chance. I, he'll get his chance. I don't like it. I think he gives you the better chance. All right, take now, me up top. Question. Take me
1: up top. Th- this is the biggest question. Who will start? That said, he's only, he's, four, he's only taken three. He's uh, got four. He's only taken three. But we need to have a starter. <laughs> These two friendly matches, mm-hmm.
7: Rogelio Funes Moria and Raul Jimenez, not available. So I think the question is, Who's going to start against Peru? And that most likely will be Tata Martino will be showing his hand, who he believes is the starter against Poland. And I believe it will be Club America's Henry Martin. 10 goals so far in the Mexican league. Wow. Four assists, which speaks of what Tata Martino wants from his number nine, not only a goal scorer, but someone who's involved in the buildup of play. And he has developed that as of recent with Club America. I love Santiago Jimenez. That's number one. Number two, I don't want to get a tattoo (laughs) of El Bebote.
1: I love Santiago (laughs) Jimenez. That's
7: why why I want Henry Martin starting. And, guys,
1: I'm very concerned for Raul Jimenez. Yes, that's really the big question here because he's not healthy now, but he may not not, be healthy for Qatar. He might not be healthy for Qatar. And
2: even when he is healthy or if he is healthy, he's not exactly been productive for the Mexican national team. So there's there's honestly a big chance Mm -hmm. that
7: the three strikers, the three number nine that Tata Martino takes to Qatar, are Henry
2: Martin, Santiago Jimenez, and Rogelio Funes-Mori. I'm a huge believer in what Tata Martino has shown us. He's very consistent in his calls, very consistent in his movements. Henry Martin played in seven games of World Cup qualifying. All substitute appearances,
1: but he scored some big goals for Tata Martino. Yep. I I like the idea of Henry Martin. I'm, I'm curious this, though. There's such a focus on only taking three. He got 26 spots. Why not take four, especially with Jimenez, who may well be even at that point an injury concern. Yeah, so I think that's the wild card. If Tata Martino believes but he that Raúl Jiménez
2: doesn't mean he can't change his mind.
7: Sure, right, sure. Raúl Jiménez will be 70, 80 percent fit, right, and you can use him for the game against Saudi Arabia, where you're going to have your last chance to make it past the group stage. He might take four, mm-hmm. but as of now, Mauricio May. ESPN uh, reporter who follows the Mexican national team said last night that Raul Jimenez can't even train in the gym. He can't even do treadmill. He's not doing stationary bike. He can do anything right now. So it's a big, big concern that he'll be fit enough just to travel with the team.
2: Yep. When you go and you look at Tata Martino's decision making, uh, he may say he's only taken three, but every Mexican team, Sanz, the 2002 team, took four nines. Mm.
1: Yep. Got to have your options uh, at number nine. Mal, great stuff. Thanks for joining us here on Football América. Anytime, you you guys. Early wake up. Waking up early is tough, I'm going to bed after this. (laughs) By the way. (laughs) All right, then let's uh, turn our attention to the women's game and some very important reporting done by ESPN. more from the women's game now bad news for tobin heath she's out for the rest of the season after having surgery on her left knee the 34 year old had registered one goal and five assists since returning to the nwsl in june for ol rain heath is a two-time world cup and two-time olympic champion with the u.s women's national team but they will be missing her with ol rain for the rest of the campaign speaking of ol rain and we run it back her US women's national team style. Do you know who else is on OL Reign? Who? Megan Rapino, her sixth goal of the season from the spot.
2: Yeah, very difficult for Megan Rapino to miss from the spot. Such a Well taken penalty kick,
1: keeper got frozen. That's what she does, man, big moments. Comes in a 1-0 win over Gotham FC on Wednesday. Megan Rapinoe converting from the spot for her sixth goal of the season. You know she's got those big goals in her, the game winner. She also has some fun in her game, look at this. (laughs) This is a club ball trick, man.
2: I almost wish you would have gone for the mag right after yes. that. You know, just a little bit more swag. But look at that. Well, at least here Shielding she does ball. it
1: to her own teammate. I feel like you could really. No, so uh, that's, that's when you do it to your okay. own team. It's a uh, set play. Maybe you, maybe you do it to the, uh, to the other team to mess, oh, mess no. with them a little bit. Sophia Smith with her 12th goal of the season here for Portland in a 3-0 win against Louisville.
2: Putting pressure, putting that pressure on Alex Morgan. uh, Probably not going to be enough, Sav, but what an unbelievable season by uh, Sophia
1: Smith. Yes, the golden boot race in the NWSL is uh, heating up as we approach the final games of the season. More from Portland because Sophia Smith not the only one that scored in that game. No, Sam Coffey. Yes, she also got on the score sheet one minute after Sophia Smith scored. So great goals. Well taken goal. Right to left in between traffic. There you go. Slots at home. Good atmosphere too. Oh, you know they do it. Right with the Portland Thorns. 3 nothing winners over Racing Louisville Wednesday night in NWSL action. Hey, I was at this game, Herc. The Football Americas Derby: Angel City against uh, Washington. Angel City won the game 2-1. Big three points for them in the playoff chase. Ashley Hatch, though, with her ninth goal of the season.
2: Banner of a season for the Washington
1: Spirit. Um, Easy, steady, steady. You like? Thanks the for the invite, Seth. Thanks for the invite. Oh please, you're too cool for school. You want to come hang out with me and producer Beto at the Angel City game. Spain versus the U.S. Women's National Team could be very interesting. The uh, Spanish Federation and the players at odds over the manager, Jorge Vilda. Will he still be in charge? Will the players be back? Should be a great game either way. That's Tuesday, October 11th, 2.30 p.m. Eastern time. The U.S. Women's National Team back in action. All right, Hurt, that's all the time we've got for this show. We are back Monday, back to our usually scheduled time, 8.30 p.m. Eastern, 5.30 p.m. Pacific. You know who's joining us? Who? Juan Carlos Osorio, the newest member of our team. JCO! We're going to break down the game between Mexico and Peru coming up on Saturday here in California. Thanks for watching us. Again, the United States falls 2-0 to Japan in Dusseldorf. We will have plenty more reaction to the weekend that was on Monday. We'll see you then.